Thanks for checking out the Oak Point West Bloomfield podcast. We're a community of people who keep it real and believe that the gospel is such good news because it really applies to our real lives. We're well aware that we all need Jesus, and so we don't shame each other, we help each other. And we hope we can encourage you along the way as we pursue Jesus together. Buddy, I'm Joe Seastead, lead pastor here. Happy almost New Year, everybody. It's good to see you today. We have... um the last couple of years taken this Sunday off. And I'm just so glad that we're gathered today. Uh, last time we were here was last week and it was pretty amazing celebrating heaven touching earth at Christmas Eve with you all. So I'm glad that you were here. And when I reflect back on this year, what I will tell you is that this was a very difficult year for me and my family. Um, and there was a lot of bumps kind of going on in our life. And often when you have a year like that, I don't know about you, if you are experiencing those things too, you would never want to live that year again. But what I can tell you is that I had a chance to be front row to seeing the value of Holy Spirit-filled, authentic relationships supporting us this year. And I would live this year over again because of you, because the body coming together and if I were to take everything that I've seen God do in this church over the past year, I would say when I have seen authentic relationships be with one another on the journey through difficulty, realizing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, that is my highlight of 2023, being with you. I couldn't imagine being in a different church and I couldn't imagine being in a different stage of the journey than where we're at right now. It is awesome to be here with you as your pastor and to give a message here for the final day of 2023. We're going to jump back into our series in the book of Romans, and we call this series Forgiven. And the reason is all about what's going to be unfolded in chapter 8. Chapter 8 is like underlying worthy memorization worthy. If you're looking for any chapter in the Bible to cover, uh, chapter 8 of Romans is one that should be very high on your list. We're going to cover the first part of it this week, and Pastor Phil will finish it up with us next week. What I want you to remember is that Romans is a letter to Christians, primarily Jewish Christians who are living in Rome. This is written by the Apostle Paul. This book has taken us on quite a journey so far, and it's not going to stop. It's going to actually get incredibly difficult in a couple of weeks as we start to talk about um, some doctrinal things that go on in this book in chapter 9. But I will share with you that what we've seen so far in this journey is that we serve a holy and righteous God who cannot tolerate sin. And the punishment for sin is the wrath of God. We saw that very early on in the first chapter. And what we've seen is that there is a solution to the sin problem, the greatest problem of mankind. And that solution is Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, offering us forgiveness for our sin, to be right with God. And so as we come into Romans chapter 8, we're going to be able to learn about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn about how God has provided this solution for us through Christ and what he did at the cross and resurrection. I'm going to start off with a claim for you today. And the claim is this, the Holy Spirit is God. And we know this, we serve 
the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we know that the Holy Spirit is God, and yet I think that if we look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is often misunderstood. The Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit has a function, but if we're honest, a lot of us, including myself, often don't remember what the function of the Holy Spirit is. It's kind of like this, like uh, just being a little funny with it. Um, how many of you guys have shutters on your house? And how many of you know what your shutters are actually for? <laughs> Do they serve a function for your house? No, most of us don't. Like back in the day, shutters used to have a use uh, several hundreds year of years ago before there was glass windows, which were very expensive and not available before. Shutters would help to uh, dim down the sunlight and it would help to create it so that animals wouldn't get in your house. Nowadays, shutters are just like on the outsides of our house and we don't really understand what they're for. In fact, most of us probably don't need shutters anymore. Well, I think that's how it goes sometimes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so misunderstood that we often don't even realize the function that the Holy Spirit brings to us. And yet, the Holy Spirit is vital. The Holy Spirit is not like your shutters that really don't need to be there anymore. The Holy Spirit is vital in our lives. And today, I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit is a person. If one thing happens out of today's service, my hope is that you don't say the Holy Spirit is an it anymore. <laughs> because God is not an it. God is a person. So you call the Holy Spirit a person. And my greatest hope today is that you will yield to the Holy Spirit. That you will realize today that the Holy Spirit has a plan for your life coming out of 2023, coming into 2024, and whatever lies ahead. The Holy Spirit has a plan, and I pray that today you will learn why it's so important to yield to the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at several characteristics of the Holy Spirit as we uh, look at yielding to Him. The first characteristic of the Holy Spirit and why you should yield to Him is that the Holy Spirit is fierce. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Therefore, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A lot of people would say that Romans chapter 8, verse 1, is the most hopeful verse in the Bible. People would contend that. So if you've got a little pen and you're a Bible writer, like write that one down. I put a big box around the words no condemnation because it offers such hope to us. It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, we've spent the first seven chapters looking at all this problem that has to do with sin. We've spent chapter seven looking at the Apostle Paul and the battle that he had with sin and the battle that we have with sin where he told us that the things I want to do, I don't do. 
It's a true battle. And what we have here is a truth to behold that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What it means is that against the whole Old Testament and the law of Moses and all the failures that that manifested and made visible, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? It means that all of that wrath of God talk that we had in Romans chapter 1 and 2 and 3, the sins that were laid out against mankind, the charge against us, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means that that struggle with sin, hating the way that you give into it on a regular basis, friend, if you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. This is an important truth to understand that the Apostle Paul shares this at the end of all of the condemnation that we deserve. As Renee shared that spoken word, you know, if you want to share the gospel with somebody, to realize the weight of sin is so important because if you don't understand that you are condemned before a holy God, you have no desire for a solution to sin. But because we are in Christ, the weight of the sin that has given us death, spiritual separation from God, has now been exchanged with a free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. And the way that that all happened, because of Jesus Christ's cross work, how he died on the cross, taking on our sin, rose back to life, the Holy Spirit comes into play here in verse 2. It says in verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. So the Holy Spirit is fierce to set us free from the law that has to do with death and condemnation, being apart from God and apart from Jesus. As you read this section of Scripture, when I was reading it, verse 3 was a little confusing for me. Verse 3, at first glance, and I'm going to read it again, it makes it seem like Jesus was a sinner. And I want to read it to you and explain what it means. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin the flesh. So when you read this, does this mean that Jesus sinned? No, it doesn't. Why? Well, the reason is that Jesus was sent by the Father in the likeness of sinful flesh. That word likeness is, is kind of more like he took on the form of a human being. The opposite would be that Jesus was walking around during his ministry on earth with his chest puffed out, his, hell, his nose up high, saying, I don't want anything to do with you guys. That wasn't the Jesus that we see in the Gospels. The Jesus that we see was a friend of sinners. So when it says the likeness of sinful flesh, it means that God, the Son, when he lived his life on earth, he lived it among sinful flesh, among people who were sinners, though he was not. That means that Jesus felt pain because of sin in this world. That means that Jesus felt suffering because of sin in this world. That means that Jesus was tempted to the point of sin, 
but did not give in to sin. That is who it's talking about here. And it says that he was sent for sin. A better way to translate that was that he was sent, in the bottom of my Bible, it says this different um, way of translating it, which I think is a better one. It says that he was sent, um, let me find it here real quick. Um, It says that he was sent as a sin offering. He was sent as a sin offering. So he was sent for sin insofar as Jesus came for the purpose of dealing with sin. That's how you translate those verses, and it means that Jesus took on this human form, the likeness of human flesh, sinful flesh. What we see here is that the Holy Spirit, because He sets us free, that the Holy Spirit is incredibly fierce. What does it mean to be fierce? To be fierce is to be intense, to be aggressive. When we think about those words, often our minds trail into sin. Because any time that we get intense or aggressive, maybe like on a basketball court or something like that, or because somebody says something that rubs you the wrong way, we tend to fall into sin. But the Holy Spirit is intense and aggressive in a sinless way. Think about it like this. The Holy Spirit is like the lion at your side. Not the lion that's staring you in the eyes wanting to attack you, but the lion at your side that will do what it takes to protect you, friend. That will do what it takes to protect you from the enemy coming at you. The Holy Spirit is fierce. Fierce can be an incredibly good thing. Fierce can be something that helps to get things done, namely the will of God. The Holy Spirit is so fierce that he sets us free and he accomplishes the will of God. So who are we to get in the way of the Holy Spirit? He's this fierce lion who wants to accomplish the will of God in our lives. We are best to yield to the Holy Spirit, to let him go in front of us versus our own way. A little while ago, some friends from the church within this church blessed our family with sending a very skilled professional housekeeper to our home during a time of need uh, for a day. And this housekeeper knew exactly what she was doing. Like she came to our first floor and her purpose that day was that she was going to deep clean the first floor. And at first, there's like this temptation when you have like a housekeeper in your home because you want to help out a little bit. You start to grab things. But this woman knew exactly what she was going to do. She was fierce to accomplish it. And at one point you had to just like step back and like yield to her. You know, like let her do what she's going to do. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's like that. Why get in the way of one who is going to accomplish the will of God according to what God wants? Why get, in, why get in the Holy Spirit's way? We are best to take a step back, yield to him, and follow closely behind. Because the Holy Spirit is fierce. Another characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is peaceful. Verses 5-8 through eight say this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
We see the term setting your mind five different times in these few verses. And to set your mind on something requires intentional action. It requires self-discipline. It's something that is not just in scriptures. We see this all throughout the world. In fact, motivational speakers use this as their method. People who are speaking in front of audiences, what they'll do is they'll have you set your mind on some future far out goal. And if they can have you start to think a lot about where it is that you need to go in life, then they get your mind so fixated on that that you can start to have momentum to go toward that goal. This isn't something that's just in scriptures. When I, um, this year, 2023, and I'm not looking for any credit here other than it's been pretty cool. Like this has been the best year of physical fitness in my life. Like I've been hitting it hard at the gym. I've been really getting after it and I feel good because of that. Um, and part of that was because I started to set my mind on, on what mattered most in the gym. I, I watched this Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary that had some vile parts, but the parts that I took to were when he was talking about how when he'd lift weights, he'd lift seven sets of everything. Like he'd just mark them all off. So I started lifting seven sets of everything. I'd set my mind to that and it was hard because I wanted to stop at like three sets but I'd go to seven. And then the other day I've been doing like these treadmill sprints and they're really hard. You go from like zero degrees to 10 degrees. You go 30 seconds on and 30 seconds off and you keep going up a degree on the treadmill. And so the other day I was on that a few months ago and the guy right next to me is an ex uh, NFL player, Detroit Lion, who's like still in really great shape. And he was like, all right, man, here's your next challenge. And he's like, instead of going 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, go 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off, and do this pattern with it. And I was like, oh, man. So I'm telling you what, I've been doing that for like the past couple of months. And, and he told me, he's like, this is one of those things where it's all mental. Because you have to like set your mind that you're going to finish or else you'll just give up. And a couple times I have given up, but it's hard. Like when you set your mind to it, you can accomplish it. What we see here is that it says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That's an intentional action. That is how we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. To have a life where you are yielding to the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you sit in the passenger seat and zone out. It means that you are along the ride with the Holy Spirit and you are doing things to cooperate with him during that ride. It talks about setting your mind. We know how easy it is to be distracted and to set our minds on things of the flesh like it talks about. Things that are worldly. There's a phenomenon called the red car syndrome. It's got a more um, scientific name, but it's this phenomenon that of like the red car. You see a red car and then like, once that gets stuck in your mind, you start to see that red car everywhere you go. Like for me, I was, I was buying a Jeep. I was like shopping for an, an older Jeep uh, Wrangler. I finally got one. But when I was like looking for a Jeep Wrangler, I started to see Jeep Wranglers everywhere I went. <laughs> and I finally got one. I started to see all the time I'm doing the peace sign. You know, it's like the sign for the, us guys in the Jeeps. Um, when you set your mind to something, you start to think about it a lot. So it works both ways. When we start to set our minds on things of the flesh, things that are not of God, it is often hard for us to stop thinking about that thing. Maybe it's that 
addiction, or maybe it's that temptation, that lustful desire. When you start to think about it, and somebody says, stop thinking about it, stop thinking about it, you can't because you're, you're going there too much. But what we see here from the Apostle Paul is that the Holy Spirit brings us, it says, life and peace. I don't know about you, but I would pay a lot if I didn't have the peace of God. I would pay a lot to get the peace of God. The peace of God is something that you can't possibly pay enough money to get. It's very valuable. And it says that when we set our minds on the Spirit, the Spirit brings about life and peace. And so how could we change that? How could we start to have discipline to cooperate with the Spirit, yielding to Him, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit? Well, how about every time that you see the Holy Spirit move? Just think about this past year. Think about the things that you've experienced. Think about about the way that the church body has come together. Think about your life group. Think about the Word of God. Think about the series through the book of Acts and through the book of Romans, the things that you've picked up on, the things that you put in place. Anytime you can think about those things and set your mind on those things, that is setting your mind on the Spirit. Here's a couple other ideas. It says in Colossians 3.2, Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth. So what does that look like? Well, what if this next year, coming into 2024, you spent time diligently every day thinking about something in heaven, thinking about something about where you're going to, using that motivational speaker playbook toward your advantage with the Holy Spirit, thinking about what it will be like to be in the presence of Jesus Christ one day, what it will be like to be in the absence of sin one day, with God, worshiping Him without distraction forever and ever. Maybe another idea is to consider the cross. Play back on a regular basis the last hours of Jesus' life. What was He feeling? What were people saying to Him? What was He praying to God the Father in heaven? Think about those things. Think about what the cross accomplished in your life. Think about the resurrection. Think about the appearances. Can you replay in your own mind things that are related to the cross and resurrection? That's setting your mind on things of the Spirit. Here's one more. How about practicing silence with God? How about taking five literal minutes every day sitting in the silence of God? What could that look like? Well, you could think about just one attribute of God. Think about His mercy. And just for five minutes every day, think about some different attribute of God, maybe starting with His mercy. And just meditate on the mercy of God. Mercy means that you're not getting what you deserve. It means that you deserve condemnation, but there is therefore now no condemnation. Could you sit in the silence of the Lord for five literal minutes every day thinking about something to do with the Lord. These are ways that we can change the paradigm instead of giving into the setting our minds on the flesh, instead set our minds on the spirit. And what will happen is that the spirit's peace will come upon us. So we've seen so far is that the Holy Spirit is fierce. And that when we set our minds on things of the spirit, the Holy Spirit is peaceful. Next one, the Holy Spirit 
is alive. Verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It says very clearly here that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, that you are not a child of God. Verse 9, I'll read it again. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. It's a misperception in our world when people will say that we're all God's children. The reality is that it's the Holy Spirit in us that guarantees the life that we have as a child of God. And you cannot be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. The, the vice versa is true too. Those who are Christians have the Holy Spirit in them. The living God dwells within us. The omnipresent God, God everywhere at all times, indwells the souls of believers. True believers in Jesus have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, and He is alive. He brings life to us, and He is the way that we overcome death because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Spirit brings us new life every day when we are filled with the Spirit. I mentioned a moment ago that it's a misnomer that we're all God's children. It's going to really play out in the last section of this Scripture in just a moment. I want to come back to that for a second in case you're thinking about that. But I want you to see here that the Holy Spirit is alive. And it talks about how in verse in verse 12, it says that we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It says that we are debtors. Debtors are those who owe something to somebody. The reality is that we understand what it looks like to owe something to somebody. I wish that we were in a situation where we flat out owned our home. We're not in that situation quite yet. One day, hopefully, we will be. Right now, we still pay back a loan every month, and it's set terms. So every month, first of the month, we have a set payment amount that goes out, and we have to do that for a set term until our loan is paid off. We are debtors to the mortgage company. And they look at me to see how loyal I am. So if I'm going to be honorable and loyal, I'm going to pay back that debt on time and in full. And I'll get in a bunch of trouble if I don't do it right, right? Like we understand what it's like to be debtors. So as it pertains to God, 
in the reality that, that the Holy Spirit is alive in us and that we are debtors to God, the reality is that we once all held a debt. And that debt was our life. That debt was separation from the Lord, impending judgment on our souls because we are sinful. But Jesus paid that debt in full. There is no more payment that we can make to satisfy that. And in fact, if you tried to make the payment to get yourself right with God, you would come up so short. It'd be like me uh, telling the mortgage company, hey, I've got 20 bucks this month. And it's like way short of the actual number that's set in our terms. Like if you try to pay back your own debt for salvation, you will come up way short. But praise the Lord, hallelujah, Jesus took care of that by paying the debt in full at the cross. But we still are debtors to the Lord because what we pay back now is a loyalty to him. What God has given us is this free gift. We are to receive the gift, and then we pay back our loyalty to the Lord. So we are still debtors to the Lord for that reason. We owe him our loyalty. It talks about how the Holy Spirit in us brings us life. The Holy Spirit in us is, is what allows us to give the loyalty back to God because we have Holy Spirit, God, and, God uh, living in us, the third person of the Trinity. It is possible, though, to resist and to quench and to grieve the Spirit. These things we see in the rest of Scripture. So is there something going on in you right now that is causing the, the life of the Holy Spirit to somehow be suppressed, where you are not yielding to the Spirit, and you're giving in, and that you're not seeing the full aliveness that God wants to be within you. What is that thing that's in the way for you right now? What is that thing that you aren't cooperating with the Holy Spirit in that he is not seeming alive in you right now? Can you identify that thing? If you can identify it, then you can go to the Lord and ask him to remove that thing. And you can cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he is alive in you and wants to remove it. So you've seen so far the Holy Spirit is fierce. The Holy Spirit is peaceful. The Holy Spirit is alive. And one more characteristic and why you should yield to him today is that the Holy Spirit is merciful. Verse 14 through 17 end like this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons or sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So what I was saying just a minute ago, come back to that, a common misperception is that we are all children of God. And it's just not true. And the reason is because we must understand that the Holy Spirit's mercy is what made us children of God. In other words, it was an incredibly heavy lift by God to bring you from outside of his family and into his family. And the process by which God used to do that is the process of adoption. 
Adoption is when you bring somebody who's from another family into your family. We all, before Jesus, were part of a different family. We talked about being of the line of Adam and ultimately from Satan as our father. But through the heavy lift of adoption, we are brought in by the mercy of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is who testifies on our behalf to bring us from the family that we are in to this new family of God. Renee and I have adopted, gone through the adoption process for three different kids. And I can tell you that for human adoption, it's a heavy lift. I mean, it's a lot of work to do. Some of the pe- people in the room, like, you know what that process is like, as it should be. It should be a very difficult process, and it is. Like, you, it starts off with the home study process, where for six months, you have people coming into your home and evaluating your whole life. They're looking at your expenses. They're looking at your income. They're, they're talking with all of your children that are in the home already. They're interviewing you as parents. They are doing psychological assessments. They are doing criminal assessments. And they want to make sure that your home is fit as a home where a child can come into. Then you've got the legal process. You've got attorneys that are hired. You've got legal documents. You're submitting things to the court. You're appearing before a judge. Then you've got like the selection process where you make this profile with an adoption agency and you show who you are and then you're maybe selected by somebody. And then you've got like the integration process when the adoption is finalized, like the new adopted child coming into your life. It is rightfully hard to adopt a child. It's a heavy lift to adopt a child. What I want you to realize is that the Holy Spirit made a heavy lift to bring each of us in the family of God. The Holy Spirit, because He brought us through Christ's sacrifice into the family of God. It says in verse 15 that we have now been brought out of the spirit of slavery to not fall back into a fear, and now we have received the spirit of adoptions. It says because of that heavy lift, because we are now children of God, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba, it's an Aramaic word, and it's better translated like daddy or papa or as leo calls me daddy-o <laughs> it's like this personal relationship with god not like father or like some legal form but you can cry out abba daddy daddy-o papa to our lord because of this heavy lift that god did crying out to the lord there's a story of a family who went through an adoption and it was an overseas adoption and it was a pastor and his wife they went over to adopt their child to see the child for the first time and it was an eerie scene when they went into the orphanage they were infants who were rocking themselves back to and forth in their own filth eerily quiet, not making a single noise. And the reason why they were eerily quiet is because they didn't know that 
you would cry and somebody would actually pick you up. They had never experienced somebody holding them like that before. So this couple, when they went over there to adopt their child, they met the child for the first time, completely quiet. They picked up that baby and held that baby. Now the paperwork said that they were, they were this child's parents. And they knew that. They knew they were walking in. But when they really knew that this child belonged to them was when they had to set the baby down and the child cried. I want you to realize today, when you are apart from the Lord before you have a relationship with Him, you don't know what it's like to have the Father's touch. You don't know what it's like to cry out, Daddy. A lot of us have had painful experiences with our natural fathers because of the heavy lift of the Holy Spirit, because of the work on the cross by Jesus, because of the love of, the, of Abba toward you, we can all cry out for him and he will meet us during our time of need. He wants that relationship with you. The Holy Spirit is merciful. As the band comes back up and our prayer partners go to their spots, the bottom line with this is that true believers... If you're in Christ, you've accepted Jesus as Lord, true believers will yield to the Holy Spirit. You will yield to the reality that he is like a fierce lion by your side that wants to accomplish the will of God, so why would you get in his way? You would yield to the peace that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life by setting your minds on things that are of the Spirit. You will yield to the reality that the Holy Spirit is alive and accomplishing work in your life even today in this year. And you will yield to the reality that the Holy Spirit is merciful and he wants you to cry out to your father, Abba, for help in your times of need. For some people in this room, it's possible that you aren't a believer yet, that you're not a true believer, that you've never put it all in with Jesus. If that's you, what a great way to end 2023 by putting it all in with Christ. When I gave that adoption illustration, maybe that's you. Maybe you've never cried out to God before. Maybe you've been consoling yourself by rocking yourself back and forth in your filth, eerily quiet because your soul has never longed for an Abba. If that's you today, maybe God's inviting you today to accept the free gift of salvation. Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing something in you that you have never experienced before. And it's time to surrender your life to Jesus right now, accepting him as Lord, that Jesus came, God in human form, to live the perfect life that we couldn't, obediently going to the cross to offer forgiveness for our sins, raising back to life on the third day, defeating the sin and grave for good. If you want to call on him today as Lord, if you want to call on Abba as God, if you want to surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit for the first time, I'll pray with you in just a moment. For the rest of us who are believers, my question for you is, what do you need to yield to the Holy Spirit right now? What is it that is getting in the way of being able to experience these characteristics of the Spirit in your life? And what needs to go away in 2024? Maybe what's something to start to do in this new year as well? Would you stand up? Would you bow your heads for prayer? The Holy Spirit is fierce. 
He is diligent to accomplish the will of the Father. A lot of us attempt to supplement the Spirit by doing our own works. It's good to cooperate with the Spirit. It's bad to get in His way. He wants to accomplish the Father's will in your life. So perhaps for you, you're realizing that you've gotten in the way of the Holy Spirit. And you want to instead take a step back and yield to Him and let the fierceness of the Holy Spirit take you forward. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. See you guys. The peace of the Holy Spirit, that when we set our mind on things of the Spirit and not things of the flesh, we can receive life and peace. Peace is worth a lot to me. I'm sure peace is worth a lot to you. Maybe right now you're not feeling peace. So what are you going to do about it? What can you do about it? Well, the scriptures say that you can set your minds on things of the Spirit. Maybe that's your commitment today, that you want to set your mind on things of above, from above in heaven with God. You want to set your mind on things of the cross. You want to have moments of silence with the Lord and meditate on his goodness, his mercy perhaps. If that's you today, that you want to receive peace by setting your mind on things of the Spirit, would you raise your hand? A lot of us, almost all. Praise God. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is alive. He is active and working in us as believers. He indwells us, and we are debtors to God. He wants our loyalty. He doesn't want anything else. He doesn't want us to try to earn our salvation. He just wants loyalty back to him. That's what we owe him. So if there's something that's causing you to resist or quench or grieve the Spirit today, and you're asking God to remove that right now, would you raise your hand? I see you. The Holy Spirit brings mercy. He's a merciful God. He facilitates that connection between us and the Father so we can cry out, Abba, in our times of need. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you need to cry out, Abba, and that personal connection with God is something that you want, and you want to receive that by the Spirit's mercy in your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Amen. Finally, are you a true believer? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit take over your life and cause you to surrender to the Lord? Maybe you're feeling that right now. You're feeling a need to commit to God right now through Jesus Christ for the first time. This is a cooperative effort. It's the Holy Spirit who does the first move, but your response is faith, to trust in Him. If that's something that you feel the Holy Spirit doing in you right now, calling on you to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord for the first time, would you raise your hand? that's you, just raise your hand today. I'll be your prayer partner up here. Father, we are so blessed to be your church, to be your bride. There's no greater thing than we can have in this life than peace with you, God, through your son, Jesus. God, this life is difficult. 
and yet you carry us because of the power of your Holy Spirit. May we be a bride who is attuned to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, meaning we are going to yield to him and we are going to follow right behind and cooperate with him. May that be our anthem as we end this year well and look to the new year. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.